And yet, when we was at the Twin Spot site, it was colder than a witch's tip. Hello, I'm Nipper Reed. And I'm Phil Wolf. So, settle down, have a nice cup of tea, and enjoy the Venomous Exchange Radio Podcast. Crumpets, Nipper. I want the crumpets. Well, as you've been such an extraordinarily good boy. Boys and girls, men and women, children of all ages, my name is Phil Wolf. This is episode 14 of Venom Exchange Radio. And as always, I'm joined by the illustrious Mr. Nipper Reed. Hello. And today we have a very special guest, um, a new friend to us. Mr. Cody Will from Rattlesnake Ranch. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Thanks so much for, for having me. Yeah. Um, Cody's got a, a bunch of endeavors with rattlesnakes, both in terms of a massive, amazing collection of croats, um, as well as some side business, some research, and some dog training with rattlesnakes, too. So, um, Cody, you want to give us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, where to start? Um, so yeah, absolutely passionate about, I mean, pretty much all animals, wildlife, uh, especially reptiles and especially, especially rattlesnakes. Um, so I live in Arizona. Uh, we're kind of the heart of rattlesnake diversity, at least in the United States and, uh, love it out here. And one of the issues out here is dogs get bit by rattlesnakes all the time. And so, um, I'll go a little more into that probably later, but I started a business, uh, more or less for fun. Uh, training dogs to avoid rattlesnakes and recognize them as a threat. And so um, started that business going on uh, like over, over 10 years now. And uh, it's called Rattlesnake Ready. And that was dog training endeavor. And to my surprise, it really took off. And so I've been doing that long time now in the Phoenix area. Um, but one of the other things and what kind of got me to do that is just, again, a love and passion for, for rattlesnakes in particular. And so as most people know the general public is not very fond of rattlesnakes and um, I think getting lots of customers who were, you know, dog people, um, not a lot of them love rattlesnakes either. And so pretty quickly I was determined to build a really cool nature center and display a lot of the native rattlesnakes and uh, eventually got a zoo license and uh, was able to pick up a lot of exotic non-native rattlesnakes as well. And so we've got a, yeah, big cool nature center full of live rattlesnakes, along with some art, photography, some other things. And that's more or less a, a newer endeavor. So we're, we've got a website um, coming out for that here pretty soon, and uh, you know, kind of trying to separate the the dog and snake people because they're not always there's not a lot of crossover there sometimes. Yeah, I can but um, yeah, so just um, yeah, rattlesnake ranch AZ is uh, how we have our Facebook and website and all that um, organized. So for the people that want to see more of the reptile content that's that's where that all goes but yeah so that's uh that's that awesome so i'm super jealous because you're actually based in um arizona are you from arizona or did you move to arizona because it's the epicenter for rattlesnakes in the yeah. u.s uh that's a good question um so a lot of what moved us here as most people move it's you know work related and uh, i actually grew up in rural northern california i actually started the business there there was virtually nobody offering rattlesnake aversion training for dogs there um, this is up in like the redding area um, and so started things there and then when i was going to college um, at uc davis i uh start I kept doing it and started offering it to more parts of california uh, when I graduated, I wasn't super attached to California. It was, you know, didn't necessarily want to stay, but it did make sense with the way things were going. And then I married my wife, Kate, who is from Arizona, and her dad actually convinced me to move the whole business out here, basically. Um, and so wow. just being that it's more of a almost year-round need down here versus much more seasonal where I was from. And so uh, obviously her whole family wanted us to move here so we could all be together but i had i told him like well as long as it makes logistical sense from the business standpoint you know i'm, I'm totally open to it and uh sure enough took that plunge and rest is history it was definitely a good move uh, so yeah we've been here about seven of those 10 years i've been doing the business and uh yeah love it 
I, well, as I say, I, I'm super jealous because you you are there. Do you get much time to go out herping, or is it all, <laughs> is it all work? Yeah, so I get out every once in a while. Um, I have friends that get out every chance they can, and I tag along sometimes. To be completely honest, and this this is my own fault, and I'm totally fine with it. Um, I'm hunker down here a lot of the time taking care of the animals that i own and yeah. so that's obviously priority for me and uh yeah so i definitely get out a few times a year not as much as i'd, I'd like to um but i'm perfectly happy here you know taking care of these captive ones as well 100 um have you seen many of these species in arizona in the wild yes uh yeah um, so we're we're in Cave Creek, which is kind of just north of the Phoenix. Technically, Phoenix is only a few streets away, but it's a huge uh, city. Um, so we're just on the north end of the the Greater Phoenix area. And I can we've had a Diamondback show up on our facilities patio once that wasn't one of mine. <laughs> so we get lots of uh, Western Diamondbacks. Um, they're very abundant here. Um, and then just go a little north and climb elevation. You run into Arizona black rattlesnakes, among other things. I've seen most of the like Sonoran desert natives. So just to list a few, uh, you know, sidewinders run into pretty often. Lots of different speckled rattlesnakes, all different colors, even just in the Phoenix area. Um, what else? Mojave rattlesnakes, tigers. Um, yeah. So all the Sonoran desert ones. And then sometimes I go a little farther to see like an Arizona black and um, trying to think what else. Occasional viridus. There's just there's a bunch here. I guess thirteen or so, give or take. It changes a little bit with subspecies arguments, but have you seen the nemesis? Have you seen the twin spot? I have not seen a wild twin spot yet. One spot. Whew, I have, thank, I have, God. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> we. Uh, I have not made it down actually to southeastern Arizona, so I I still gotta eventually, you know, hit the. Uh, the, the special, you know, montane stuff down there. We do have a captive bred and um, a captive born twin spot rattlesnake here at our facility. So wow. got one here, but uh, yeah, haven't seen one in the wild yet. That's a, that's a bucket list thing for sure. Yeah. I think it is for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. Hands down. I've got friends with great photos of wild ones. So they, they find them, but I'm not that cool yet. <laughs> yet. Right. Yet. <laughs> Uh, I also thought it was interesting. You'd mentioned you have a zoo license because I know you have a lot of venomous that's not native to Arizona proper, right? Correct. Yeah. And so, um, you know, every state here has different laws when it comes to being able to, to have and let alone, you know, exhibit venomous. And so um, we uh, applied for a zoo license about two years ago. Up until that point, I only had all the Arizona natives that I was allowed to have. Um, we did have a special uh, permit called a wildlife holding permit that allowed me to have a few other things. Uh, for instance, we had some banded rock rattlesnakes, which are actually protected in Arizona. Um, and a, uh, the California snakes, actually, I brought with me when we moved here. So I had some Northern Pacific rattlesnakes that uh, are not, you know, not allowed to have here without special permits. So anyway, for years, just had a couple extra things under that permit and then all the Arizona natives that I could have. And then, yes, applied for zoo license, was granted that. And then since then, we've basically been trying to acquire... You know, a lot of the other stuff. So from the rest of the United States, um, as well as Mexico, South America, and we're uh, we've got a lot of that now. There's still a few things missing, but um, probably just a matter of time. We should be able to track those down. And the the goal is to get every species. Ideally, yeah, we uh, we have a great space, um, lots of room, and uh, without you know having to cram things into racks, we've got lots of exhibit space. And, you know, there's a lot of zoos and places out there that have a lot of the really cool, iconic venomous. Um, we kind of wanted to focus on one group. Um, it makes sense for the business and the people that walk in here. And so, yeah, we'd love to work with any and every species of rattlesnake that we can come across. Um, so we're going that on that right now. Such an amazing goal. And I cannot wait to go back to Arizona yeah. and visit, visit, visit your place and then go and find a twin spot. There you go. Maybe we can do that together. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, um, how many species do you currently hold? Would you know off the top of your head? Yeah, I know it's that. one of those one of those questions. Yeah, yeah. And what's sad is I've been asked. I get asked that constantly, and I still don't know. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's changing. I mean, literally last month we picked up a couple new things, and so um, I think so. We're only missing what two of the Arizona natives. 
Um, so the other thing too is we've got like multiple localities for speckled rattlesnakes. We've got morphs of Aatrox. There's some like doubles I mean, and you, you, triples you have of things. To. Yeah, yeah, you can't not have that other stuff. It's you gotta have it. Yeah, I know that there's over a hundred rattlesnakes in here. Um, there is, I'm gonna guess, I may go recount and be totally off, but we probably have 40 different species, uh, would be my guess currently. Um, yeah, and then like I said, a couple different localities. Just one example too, like prairie rattlesnakes used to be a Hopi rattlesnakes used to be a subspecies of viridis. They merged those not too long ago, but we still have like separate exhibits for a lot of that stuff because they are pretty dang different, whether the genetics are or not, or the, you know, that's for taxonomists to decide. But we have uh, like cane breaks and timber rattlesnakes, we have those separated as well. Um, Excellent. So I can't really count those, those as different species, but I, I kind of do when it comes to exhibits. So that's, that's fine. Yeah. So once I do have an actual number, I'll be able to answer that much more quickly. I need to, maybe after this, this uh, talk, I'll go actually count. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so cool, man. So cool. Yeah. We got a lot, got some really cool stuff too. I was picky about where it all came from. So a lot of good quality captive bread stuff. Um, handful of things are wild caught only cause that's the only option, but uh, most of it is other people. We breed a lot of stuff here too. Cool. What are your breeding projects for this year? we're kind of a Noah's Ark. Almost everything we have is pairs. Um, And so a lot of them, it's like, if it happens, it happens. Um, There's a few new things that just hit breeding size that I'll be putting together for the first time. Um, Just to name a few, um, all our speckled rattlesnakes are adults now. Uh, We've gotten uh, blue and whites. I won't say exactly where they're from, but um, those two color morphs. Uh, this year we've got, uh, I don't know if you heard of lava specks, they're basically like a black speckled rattlesnake that comes from a locality in California. And uh, I've got a captive bred um, female that just hit about breeding size and an amazing looking male with a just jet black head and some reds and black, really cool snake. Anyway, those will be pairing up for the first time this year. Um, yeah, some banded rocks, some atrox morphs, um, probably forgetting some things. Nice. Viridis, Arizona Blacks. Yeah. Um, One thing that I was frustrated about when I started this place is it's hard to find a lot of captive bred rattlesnakes. And so it's been a goal to kind of be part of the solution to that. Sure. So uh, we've we've actually already have provided some other zoos with captive bred um, rattlesnakes as well, including some Arizona natives and and other stuff. So I'd like to uh, like to do a lot more more breeding, especially since we've gotten that license and can legally export them and, and things like that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Can yeah. I ask? Oh, sorry, Phil. No, it's um, just it. What is the availability like for Mexican? I presume you're keeping Mexican stuff as well as yeah. US stuff. Um, are they easily available to you? or Because they, yeah. they're very, very hard to get in Europe. They and are. And actually, to be honest, I feel like the United States is usually just seems to be a few weeks behind what's in Europe. So um, it seems to go to Europe first is what I'm saying. And then, cause there's been a few things that I have not been able to find, but they are available in Europe. And so we're working actually on a couple imports right now, for instance, um, the, uh, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but, uh, Melosis negressens, the, one of the Mexican blacktail rattlesnakes, there's a couple in the States, but I don't know of anybody actually producing them regularly, or if they even have adults, uh, the ones that are here might've just been babies that came from Europe, but anyway, so that's one that, and Oaxacus is another one of their subspecies of Melosis that, uh, I'm trying to get right now, but it's going to have to come from Europe as far as I know. Um, there's a few things here. We've got some polystictus. Um, we've got, uh, lots of Marulis, uh, localities. Um, th- those are, I think those, have been, those have been here a little while. So yeah, those are Tamalipan rock rattlesnakes. A lot of people in Texas that work with those and some of our native rock rattlesnakes. Um, seems like a lot of the neotropical stuff um, has been around. I don't know where it originated from, but it seems to be several zoos and places working with those. What about um, things like uh, Aquilus and Ravis? Got- yeah, we've got we've got Aquilus. I, uh, Ravis I've seen available randomly, um, but we haven't picked one of those up yet. Actually, I had an opportunity for some recently, but they want to way too much for them. So... Um, uh, yeah, but that's uh, Triceriatus is another one, and nice. a lot of a lot of obscure Mexican montane rattlesnakes that there's a handful around, and which are Nipper and I's favorites. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of that's the stuff I'm really excited to get into because um, we've been able to produce, like I said, speckled rattlesnakes and a lot of the low desert stuff. Uh, some of that montane stuff I think is a little trickier, and so 
I'm trying to nail that down. I've got some people mentoring and helping with ideas and trying to get some of those things that like it colder uh, to breed. And we've got a really cool um, climate controlled outbuilding on the property. It's part of the the zoo it's we call hibernaculum exactly yeah the hibernaculum and it's a one thing about arizona is that we have such mild winters here you it's hard to actually properly brewmate hibernate um you know a lot of things here um because a shed that's sitting in the sun even in winter can warm right up to 70s 80s and so uh, this allows us to put all our collection in there that's you know the temperate species and we can set it at 48 degrees and close the door and it stays right there. So I'm hoping with, um, with that available that that'll do the trick for some of them. But my biggest thing is in the actual showroom is, you know, you got the neotropical stuff and the twin spot rattlesnake things that come from much cooler environments. And so I've been playing around with a lot of husbandry stuff to see if eventually I can kind of get these both things breeding in the same building, basically. Um, that, that was a that was a real question of mine because you're you're, you're battling it against your your natural temperatures because you live in Arizona so your your humidity is quite low and the temperatures are high yeah um, but also because of your admirable wish to keep all the species mm-hmm. you've got such different husbandry across the board yeah but as you say with your other building that's fantastic that's yeah and worst case scenario if I can't do an all-in-one thing where everything in the showroom is reproducing and thriving that outbuilding i run it in the winter to get it cold enough for everything i can run it in the summer too so if i needed to i could set it for 55 60 you know at night and then have basking options and and have a, a proper cool room for a lot of these montane things that you know even in the peak of summer they're still getting down into the 50s 60s at night um so if i really have to i could take advantage of that and and use that out there but I want to see if I can do it in here first. <laughs> and then if it's just not working, then I'll, you know, go, go yeah. that route. But um, I'm hoping it's not as complicated as some people are, are saying. And um, it's like our twin spot, for instance, it's born in captivity. It's never experienced the swings of the, the temperatures. I'm not keeping it warmer than, you know, anything than it, and it's, it's, it's got, we have little USB fans installed in a lot of our, our exhibits. And so, the air conditioned building air is getting blown into all the montane stuffs um, cages, whereas the low desert stuff, they, they don't have that and their cages hold heat and stay a little warmer. So I can tweak it a little bit to, you know, a few degrees to make things a little cooler for polystictus, twin spots, Willard, I like Massasauga or not necessarily Massasaugas, but you know, some of that smaller montane stuff and uh, yeah, hoping that does the trick, but if not, we'll go back to the drawing board and utilize the hibernaculum other times of year. Hell yeah. I was, just, I was videos really... of the hibernaculum were awesome. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Just posted yeah. that recently. A great facility. I was really surprised. As I say, when I was in Arizona, the difference in temperature in different areas. Yeah. I mean, when we went, I, forgive me, I can't remember this granite gap. Was it granite gap? Where the uh, coral snake was. Yeah, literally yeah. in the heat of the day, melted bits off of my camera. Literally, <laughs> literally, I it. it gets brutal hot here. Bits off my camera, and yet when we was at the twin spot site, it was colder than a witch's tit. It was freezing <laughs> cold, and yeah. we're not that far apart from one another. It, it's yeah. you know, so yeah, yeah. Such... it's it's fascinating. We we've got a lot of uh, just elevation changes and short distances sometimes and a lot of things here utilize certain microhabitats and then you get like drastic habitat changes and i think that's what contributes to the diversity here um just of i mean all, all kinds of reptiles but um especially rattlesnakes and yep that's uh and I, I still have yet to go to a lot of these cool places, but um, I get a little free time and I have a, a, one employee that helps me keep things clean in here and just a matter of working him more so I can get out. percent. <laughs> yeah. um, so with a, a collection as, as large and diverse as you have, what are you doing regarding feeding? Are you trying to have a naturalistic diet or is it too commercial and you've just got to rodent feed everything? Yeah, so we there's a couple exceptions we have a few things here that aren't rattlesnakes um so that will change my answer a little bit we mostly feed a rodent diet to everything here um now i'm kind of a ocd go all out obsessive like just personality so even though everything gets rodents here we 
do we do mice, ASF rats, and domestic rats? And a lot of the snakes aren't picky here. I'll kind of rotate between those three. And so just they're getting a little different. I have a few that are picky and stick to one, but um, uh, we breed our, own, breed our own rodents here. We just actually are in the process of completing another outbuilding that we're just calling the rat shack. And that's basically a separate rodent breeding thing. We have rodents in our back room right now, but Unfortunately, when the air conditioner turns on on that side of the building, the entire building smells like rodent a little bit. <laughs> and it finally drove me nuts to the point that we're just putting them all in their own building. No matter how clean you know you keep mice, they just have a smell. Smart move. So, yeah. So, and I think, too, we've got some speckled rattlesnakes with just insane feeding responses. And I'm hoping that having them out of the building entirely might calm them down a little bit. We'll see if that works or not. But that might be attributing to that. Um, yeah, so we give them uh, – uh, we've, we've got – we, we keep frozen. We've, we breed live as well. And uh, most of the snakes will eat either fresh killed or, or frozen, but we've always got live going uh, with the exception of babies. Sometimes I have to start them on live to get them going. Uh, we, I give the rodents all kinds of stuff. They feed on the Missouri rodent block primarily, but we're constantly, it's kind of nice thing about uh, being on site here is I'll just bring kitchen scraps too with vegetables and things like that. So they get a nice varied diet. Um, I throw a handful of bird seed in there and stuff too. So, and actually some of our uh, native stuff too, like we, we have some barrel cactus and mesquite trees on the property and they love chewing on the seed pods and things like that. So it's great. Yeah. They're not just stuck to, I have a, a buddy that really insisted on like, if you give the rodents a little bit of wild, like, you know, food stuff too, it can, can, I don't know, improve the quality of and health of the snakes. Um, there's probably some truth to that. Who knows if it makes a significant difference or not, but oh yeah. Yeah, I say why not make this rodents a little happier too. But yeah, and then I do have we have a snoring toad. We've got some copperheads. Every once in a while, I'll give them like a hornworm, you know, or something else because uh, I think it's just crazy watching a snake eat an insect, a viper eating an oh, insect. Yeah. Um, well, you posted that video of what was it a uh, uh, marulus eating a centipede? Yeah, so that and that little thing finally just started taking rodents she was an absolute pain <laughs> but uh yeah so i was kind of force feeding her tails to keep her going and then i was just trying some other things most snakes i really we it's kind of a battle of the wills sort of thing if they're being really stubborn i might crack and try some exotic options but more than often i don't want them to ever even try like a lizard for instance because i just don't want them to get used to that or get hooked on it and so that thing kind of outlasted me and i remember learning a while back that a lot of those montane things will regularly eat scolopendra uh, centipedes and so we get those on the we get the little polymorpha the little ones on the property um just watering plants sometimes one will pop out and caught one i'm like well see if it eats this thing and the mo movement just stimulated it and it it took it so um wow i did that incredible. a couple times yeah it's pretty pretty amazing watching that let me let me and, ask did it did the snake like strike and release did the centipede fight back i mean yeah and she is and even still she's a very shy eater so when i put it in there she did strike and release um and the centipede just kind of you know just like picked up several speed levels after that it just started kind of freaking out and uh, and i you know knowing centipedes do have their you know, decent little fang things and stuff uh as soon as she bit it i actually took tweezers and euthanized it and then uh left it in there and then i just kind of kept checking on and off from a distance to see if she'd start eating it and then she started swallowing it um so if i left it in there moving i'm, I'm she might have hit it again or might have latched on but i just didn't want to chance it you know nipping yeah, her. Course, so um yeah i euthanized it for her and then just waited till she ate it and sure enough she did which was Made for a cool post, but I didn't want her getting hooked on centipedes either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, thankfully, she's she's taking rodents now. But that's great, man. Did you I, use centipede like juice to scent or no? No, no, no. I, uh, I so she took a lizard scented scented uh, uh, fuzzy once, and I thought, okay, good. This 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 is we're on the right track now. Um, wouldn't take one again after that though. Then took a centipede, and then I was still doing. I try to do tails as long as I can, and then. If they're not looking great because they're not getting enough nutrients from that, you might have heard of it. There's a product called uh, Carnivore Care. It's like a protein shake for yeah. you know reptiles, for ferrets, or you know different things. And sure. um, that's I'll give them a little shot of that too, just to kind of give them something better than a tail. And I just kind of try and outlast them until they get used to the taste of mice, and just finally the light bulb turns on. But uh, this one is just it was taking a long time, so that's why I even tried the centipede to begin with. Um, never did lizards though. Um, other than that scented um, fuzzy 
yeah, just the other day, it's like sometimes I just learned that some of these eventually it's like all of a sudden they decide to to take a run. And so I put a live in there and she finally did it just the other day and then just took a second one yesterday, actually. Wow. So finally yeah. there. But knowing that she did like the centipedes, that's probably something every once in a while just for fun. You know, when she's a little more confident, might eat in yeah. a bucket, you know, I'll pull her out and offer her one. But um, you have you yeah. have them on the property, so you know it's exactly. Like yeah, yeah I won't, I won't go catch. Time. Yeah, I won't go catch the. We get the huge uh, like uh, heroes, the Arizonensis, and if you heard of those, the, the the monster ones. Yeah, those are too rare and cool. I, I won't give her one of those. But uh, yeah, these little polymorph are all over the place. So well, she'll get one every once in a while as a treat. If I may, since we're talking about Marulas, um, mm-hmm. you had mentioned you have multiple different localities of the Temelipans. Um, are you? breeding for locality and then at the same time of the like i know you have some clobber eye and some lepidus lepidus are you are those going to be bred for locality as well so so actually when i said there's different localities i was mostly talking about other people i've actually only got one locality of marulus and one locality of clobber eye and lepidus lepidus right now so kind of one of each um the one we do have multiple localities of is speckled rattlesnakes Um, the goal eventually I, i would love to work with more especially Clobberi, um, just different localities and, and Marulis as well, too. Um, with the way we've been, you know, pursuing filling up this place, I'm more interested in getting the species I don't have yet before adding new localities of other things. So sure, sure. once I kind of hit the point I'd like to be at for other Mexican species, then I'll start, you know, playing with some different localities on the other stuff, too. But nice. uh, yeah, for now, the clobberi that we have are Pelincillo uh, mountains uh, and then the marulis i won't even be able to pronounce it it's it's a long uh, locality name for mexico but they're they're locality animals too i'd have very to look cool. it up it's kind of a longer name but, very cool yeah so obviously you've got a, you've got a ton of snakes there mm-hmm. what what is your what does your day look like in terms of what are your normal procedures regarding feeding and cleaning? Sure. Yeah. Um, that's honestly kind of my favorite thing to do. Like I said, I love to get out herping more, but I love making the glass look good and, and walking by and seeing the snakes just sitting happy. Um, a, a lot of the, like speckles, for instance, I've done a lot of trips to where they're found just to bring rocks back. <laughs> and so like their exhibits, yes, have, like, yes. matching, you know, matching rocks and stuff. So most of the exhibits here are kind of a blend of naturalistic, but also cleanable. Um, not too crazy where you just can't clean them. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I mean, day to day, just being the, it's kind of nice having the zoo license and people being able to come in and see the place because it puts a little extra pressure on me to keep things extra clean. Sure. Uh, which sure. I like that because the animals benefit from it. And so every week for sure we change out water bowls, we clean the glass, um, spot clean for, you know, feces and uh and then throughout the week it's kind of just an as-needed basis we might do that again on another cage if a snake had a wild night and smeared poop on the glass or whatever but um luckily one thing i I do love about rattlesnakes too at least in captivity is they are not compared to like gecko collections or you know lizards and things like they're not as messy and so you know they'll eat one big meal they'll sit in ambush position for hours or days in a certain spot that they like and uh you know so it's that their cages aren't usually awful and so um my uh employee his name's logan we can we can get through the cages together in about a day and uh they look tip-top shape and usually by the next week most of them are still pretty pretty clean um we just got to refill you know water bowls and and things like that but uh yeah so that's that's that there's a lot of other stuff too like for instance yesterday um a lot of other keepers in arizona so a friend came by that wanted some snakes probed and didn't feel comfortable doing it himself so helped with that a little bit um you know our own animals will probe to confirm sexes um every once in a while you know we get a fun thing to do like a albino snake will get some urates on its back and it looks really bad so we'll pull it out and safely you know clean that snake give it a back scrub them down exactly had a white speck with a poop mustache that needed to get addressed so. oh geez um, yeah. what's crazy so, is I, I was i was just at a friend's house recently and uh he had pulled out a, a, a morph of some python and i don't even remember what species it was but it had poop spots on it right mm-hmm. and he he opens the drawer and he goes oh don't mind the poop spots and i look at him and we had that same thought of 
do they all have poop spots and we just yeah. can't see them? <laughs> do they always have feces all over know, them? Right? And we're just picking them up and playing with them. And meanwhile, the yellow one, we can see the poo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it shows up on the albinos here and there for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's and it's kind of annoying because they, they live in pretty spacious exhibits. You'd think they would be able to get away from the poop, but you know, sure enough, they do it right up front against the glass, and they do laps around the perimeter of the cage, and it sometimes they get it on them. But that's one thing where if I I'll drop what I'm doing and take a poop out of the cage if I see it. Um, it's not something we really put off um, for the most part. Uh, that and water bowls we take pretty seriously. So um, I love the fact that you're doing naturalistic enclosures. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 you know, absolutely amazed that you're going to the sites where these snakes are from and collecting. Uh, that is that is almost Germanic in its level of uh, <laughs> its level of credibility. That's, that's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So presumably when you get a new species in, does that mean you need to to go and do <laughs> research on? Yeah. I mean, so, and obviously I can only do that to a certain extent. Like if, for instance, some of the Mexican species, I don't have a, know of any way where I would get, you know, stuff for them that's right from their habitat. But I love looking up like habitat photos and just like taking a screenshot and like trying to mimic that best I can. And, you know, between like wild little bunch grass I can pull out of the ground in Arizona and hobby lobby trips with her plants or whatever fake cactus and then whatever rocks look close to you know um look close to uh, where they're found that's what i'll run with but when i have the ability to get actual things from habitat i will absolutely do that or nice thing about some of my friends that herp i've, I've sometimes it's like hey i'll give you 50 bucks you bring me a backpack of rocks back you know and so they've they've been yeah, able to, yeah. to help out too that's um, awesome and other things too you know sometimes it's fun if i find like some gun shells or a beer bottle or something in the habitat of some of these snakes i'll bring that back put it in the cage too just for you know a little reminder of the, the human influence on some of this these animals habitats so we got some skull replicas and a few as well there's usually fun stuff i throw in there too that uh, kind of adds to the um just the fun in, of each exhibit so i've got to ask because you've got probably more experience with a, a wide range of, of crates than most people, which ones do, are you, do you find the best to work with? Um, in not necessarily work with, which ones do you think make the best captives? Best captives. Um, you know, they're all, they're all very similar. There, there's some, like for instance, I was just noticing this the other day, just working with polystictus, like those, those behave in a lot of the montane stuff and um, just those more narrow built, almost lizard head like snakes behave a little differently than like an Atrox or a, a speck and things like that. Um, it's a good question. Um, I mean, that's the thing too, is like Atrox get a rap for being pretty feisty, um, you get some mellow ones here and there. And I've got a few that are and actually going back to the dog training. We've almost kind of um, selected for like mellowish snakes, like ones that'll still behave like a rattlesnake, but they're not you know, too high strung. It's too hard to work with for that. And they don't adapt to captivity. Well, too mellow is kind of useless. So our Western diamondbacks that we use for our dog training, we've got several so we can rotate through them and give them rest and whatnot. Um, but those are, you know, they're, most of the ones we have are super mellow, but our Atrox morphs that are from Texas, like our albinos and bubblegums and melanistic and all these things, they're all nuts. <laughs> and so um, they're just they're, they go from calm to explosive and nothing in between. And so, uh, and that may change as they age and mellow out, hopefully. But um, yeah, I think uh, favorite specs, speckled rattlesnakes are great. They're everybody loves them because they're so variable. They do make pretty good display snakes. Um, we have a stack of, it goes blue, red, white, and black. And that stack of cages is one of my favorite ones to go straight to when visitors are here checking things out because they're so variable. They're always out. They're usually sitting. They don't even really use their hides often um, unless they're shedding or just fed or whatever, but they're usually out on the rocks. Um, um, the only issue I have with those is their feeding response can be a little crazy. And I have this, I cohab almost everything. I have had a couple times where one bit the other. And uh, thankfully, I've never lost a snake from that. But I'm sure, you know, in the right spot, right angle, right amount of venom, it, it could do that. So my whites, you know, other than for breeding, I've had to separate those um, because of that. Um, so they do have a little bit of a crazy feeding response. And 
keepers i feel that a lot of pictures i've seen unfortunately they just you know snakes always hungry so they feed it all the time and specs get fat in captivity real easily i mean a lot of ambush vipers do um and so that's uh it's a tricky one because they're always hungry but i don't want to feed them too much because they get fat too easily but all that aside they're they're great display snakes, especially if you have one um they're a great display snake and uh usually never never turn down food and um so that'd be one of my favorites for sure. The few other obscure ones, I love my little Hopi rattlesnakes. They, those, they're kind of like a dwarf beardist. Mine are, no matter how much rodents you feed them, I mean, they're about two feet and they don't seem to be getting any bigger. And uh, they're real curious. They'll, anybody comes up to the glass, it's like they'll come out of a coil and come up to the glass. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that um, is my, um, I'm going to Utah in a few weeks' time, a few oh, months' cool. time, uh, beginning of May. And uh, that's one of my most wanted snakes to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's one I haven't yeah. seen in the wild as well. I've been in their habitat. We, uh, my wife and I did a trip to the petrified forest national park and they can be, you know, encountered there. Um, you haven't seen one out in the wild yet, but they're, they're fun little snakes. I really like them. That's the only one that we have like a trio and a four foot exhibit because there's plenty of space. And um, yeah. So those, I mean, I could talk about each snake in here, uh, working with them, you know, every week. It's like, they've all got a little bit different temperament and, uh, some easier than others. Most of them in here though, are pretty easy to work with. I would say though, I don't really have any crazy, like when you walk through our exhibit, you're not going to hear a lot of rattling, uh, with the exception of a couple of the diamondbacks we use for our, our snake avoidance program for dogs. Everything else is very quiet, easy to work with, used to being manipulated on hooks and tongs and, um, are used to people peering into the glass too and aren't really phased by it yeah you said um i think you said you've got some neotropical rattlesnakes as well is that right uh we do yeah yeah how do you think the husbandry of those differs from sort of like your north american stuff yeah so those i haven't had as long so i'm by no means an expert on them but everybody i've talked to and from what i've experienced so far with them um, they're pretty easy. Um, I, I don't have to hibernate those, which is really nice because this building gets a little boring in winter because most of the collection is in the hibernaculum and people can only stand in there for so long before they're like, okay, I need to get out of here. It's cold. <laughs> and so um, it's nice to have those because they're, they're here year rounds. Um, our, we have an adult pair of Yucatan rattlesnakes. The I might be butchering the name, but the Crotalus Sabcan or Sabcon or something like that. Those And they're really impressive snakes. Um, when I got them, they were already, they're three years old and they're, they're close to six feet. They're, they're probably five and a half feet or so. Wow. Um, they grow very rapidly. We've got lots of other, um, central and South American, like neotropical rattlesnakes that we got as babies. Just, I mean, this was back in September when we got a few of those and they are already, you know, well over probably pushing almost two feet already. Like they, they grow, seem to grow much faster. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're, pretty easy so far they've, they've all got great temperament um, which has been nice especially for those uh, yucatan rattlesnakes as big as they are they're very easy to to tail and you know and work with uh, they rarely rattle they even pretty gentle when they hit their food now this is based off the pair i have somebody else might have a crazy one out there that would change my mind but so far all the ones i have in my collection very easy to work with uh, very mellow um definitely don't want to take a bite from one but um they're uh yeah they've, they've been really cool and they're one too that i think rattlesnakes no matter where they're found they do tend to prefer dryness so even in these tropical environments where they're from it's usually areas that experience a dry stretch and a wet stretch and so with the, i've modified their exhibits um with uh, like a fogger system i don't have that really on any of the other snakes a lot of the Arizona natives, if there's a monsoon going on literally outside, I might take a spray bottle and spray some water on their cage just to kind of mimic what's going on in, in their natural habitat. Uh, but for some of these neotropical ones, I'm kind of keep track of climate data where they're from. And I try to match that here with humidity spikes and things like that. But it's probably not totally necessary. And in, in my opinion, with rattlesnakes, as long as you keep a full water bowl, that's probably most of what they need right there. Um, but we'll see. Hoping for babies out of those Yucatans this year. They they linked up and the female's looking pretty healthy. So hopefully that all lines up very nicely. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a personal favorite of mine, which we don't see very much over here? Um, do you have Aruba Island rattlesnakes? Aruba Island, no. Um, that is one I'd love to work with eventually just because so that's something too where as we get a little more known and if I can kind of prove myself with breeding some of the rare species, 
um, I would love to get involved with conservation projects uh, with with things like that and uh, you know different Willardized subspecies. Um, it'd be cool to um, again. I've bred a lot of rattlesnakes, but it's mostly the the common stuff, the low desert stuff with a, a couple montane things. We did produce some um, Arizona black rattlesnakes one year. Um, but yeah, that's that's one that um, I'd love to eventually work with. And um, if I'm correct, those are uh, they're in, they're pretty hurting hurting in the wild, right? And they're part of uh, most oh, places yeah. that have them are all connected. I can't remember what the the term is for it, but there's a um, you guys, do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's where like where they take they're all all the people that have that animal work together um, right to keep the gene pool varied and it's very and, uh, very select group of individual AZA facilities that that yeah, yeah pass are, it between them. Yeah, they are. Um, there are quite a few European zoos, um, but that as you say, with with a stud books to make sure that the the gene flow is is good for them. Good, yeah, and yeah. I find them absolutely stunning. I had a friend um, that you know, worked for a zoo where they had they had some in the collection, and they're mm-hmm. beautiful. They're like coral pink. Yeah, really stunning snakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. one that yeah, over time would love to have on display in here and, and be a part of making more of them with, with at least a pair. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll get there one day. Now the opposite end of the scale and personal favorites of mine, what sisterus do you have? Sisterus? Yeah. So yeah, we've got, uh, currently, and I just realized recently, I think the, uh, Mossasaga's taxonomy's changed a little bit. Um, we used to, it used to be, there was desert Massasaga, Western Massasaga, and Easterns. Um, and we've got desert and Western, which I think are now both Sisterus trigeminus, if I'm correct. Um, we've still got them in separate exhibits. I'll correct the labels here soon. But anyway, so that's, we've got those. Um, we do have uh, Dusky Pygmies and um, Carolina Pygmies, the nice red ones. Um, so we've got a pair of those as well. And uh, that's it currently. Uh, we're working on this summer. I'm going to work on getting um, some Strekeri. And uh, Eastern Mossasaga is going to be a tricky one. <laughs> um, they're pretty much protected in every state they're found in. So now there's a handful of zoos that have them. So that's that's one, too, that I've kind of learned to be patient with a lot of this stuff. Uh, something may, an opportunity may come up. So I've got an exhibit ready for one. And if things ever line yeah. up and I can legally acquire one, then we'll absolutely do it. But uh, don't have an Eastern yet. No, I, I, I'm quite lucky. I've got Strekeri, and they are stunning. Yeah, Absolutely stunning. a friend of mine has family in Oklahoma, and he was herping out there just this last summer. He lives here in Arizona, and uh, just for the cage label, he sent me some photos of of one, and uh, he found some gorgeous ones in, in Oklahoma. They're just definitely different looking than the dusky that we have a, a pair of duskies, and they're they got like that kind of like dirty black like pattern mixed into the, and they're, they're really cool too. But this one he showed me was just like almost silver with orange spot, orange and black spots and uh, really cool. So, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So going forward with your collection, I know you said there's, there's quite a few things that you want to attain. What's your number one want at the moment? <laughs> and if anyone's listening, that has one, I can yeah. Touch with you. yeah, there's been a couple things I actually have had opportunities for, but either they want way too much for them, um, or it's just not, or I don't have an exhibit ready for it, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had to have some self control when it came to you know rattlesnake shopping, but um, probably the next on the list, um, probably uh, Arizona Originals rattlesnake. Um, we have a, a good friend and uh, there's a company here called rattlesnake solutions um the owner is brian hughes uh, yeah. brilliant guy that just he loves rattlesnakes more than anybody i know and knows a lot about them you guys may have heard of him yeah we've had him um, on other other podcasts oh perfect i need to go listen yeah. to that one <laughs> so yeah he, he's he's actually one of the, one of a handful of people in arizona that has permits to have some of that stuff too and he actually was able to acquire a scientific collecting permit and get a pair of arizona originals rattlesnakes and he's actually where our uh, baby twin spot rattlesnake uh, came from and so that's one that just because it's, it's our state reptile and I'm here in a rattlesnake zoo in Arizona, I feel like that's kind of a must have. So yeah, I'm just kind of, have it. yeah, that's, that's probably the, the next important thing that I would love to, to get. And I guess I did have an opportunity for a pair that were, I think too expensive. We got too many other projects going right now. If they're still available when I'm done with everything else, then I might, you know, go that route. But Brian's got a pair and, 
um, I will, we'll see if, if things go well for him and then maybe we'll possibly get a captive bread baby from, from him. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one on the list for sure. Um, I think some of those, like again, obscure Mexican species, uh, Eric Smith, is a really cool one. That's got a lot of cool color and you know, not yeah. a lot of those floating around. <laughs> they also come from an area that is not easy to herp and get into. And as far as I know, Mexico is, um, not, they don't export a lot of reptiles and, um, so kind of learning a lot of that stuff, having a zoo license. I, I don't know exactly how all the other countries operate. We, we do have a level of ability to import export, but, uh, kind of new to that game right now. It's mostly through others that are already doing it that I'm kind of piggybacking off of. Well, I also think that you, you have a, a very advantageous position with that zoo license, because if I have contacts in say, Tamalipans and they have a bunch of captive bred protected montane stuff they're not going to send it to me but you yeah. with the zoo license most definitely yeah i i think that's correct <laughs> so uh, like i said right now the focus has been to maximize the quantity of species that we we have uh, on exhibit and then it'll be fun there, there's going to be a, a time where it's like all right we really got to track down these these tricky ones you know and uh you know, I'm, I'm sure the right person somewhere is working with some of that stuff. And it's just a matter of, you know, by the books, getting it all figured out and then hopefully we'll have them here. Um, so just, yeah, trying to be patient with that. It'll happen. I have yeah. faith. <laughs> Thanks. Me too. Yeah. yeah, man. We'll get you linked up with the Herp MX guys and they'll, they'll you show go. you, show you what, what T's to cross and I's to dot. I know. Right. Yeah. And speaking of them, they've, they've got some amazing photos they're constantly posting and I know they're, they've got breeding projects and stuff going. So yeah, I have to link arms hopefully at some point. Yeah, man. For I sure. think I, I genuinely, and I'm not blowing sunshine up your ass. I genuinely <laughs> think what you're doing is fantastic, and I can't understand why it's not really been done to this level of professionalism before in America. To me, as a European, mm. um, you know, Europe, Europe herp-wise, we're all fascinated by American herbs. I know mm -hmm. we have this conversation a lot. You take your stuff for granted, mm -hmm. but from an outsider's point of view, it, they are the most iconic species and the most fascinating species. And we're all, oh, we're all so in awe of it all. I can't understand why more people in America haven't done right. I'm going to get decent examples of every rattlesnake. It seems to me such an obvious thing to do. <laughs> and yet I don't know anyone that's, done it i mean sure. you've got the the um the arizona museum but they don't they have arizona species but they don't have anything other than arizona species um and i just think you know genuinely the way you're doing it is so well done it's you know it's my lottery win thing that i would do if i didn't have to work <laughs> that's exactly what i do so I, I think it's incredible well done you know yeah, thank you uh, yeah, that means, means a lot appreciate it um yeah, I mean, honestly, that was kind of my thought process, too, is so with the zoo license and even like the guy that works with me, Logan, he's always like, you know, you could you could get, you know, cobras and you could get this and that. I'm like, then I got to go the whole like I need an antivenom for that stuff route. And, and then, you know, as obsessive as I am, I can't just have one cobra, you know, I'm going to get distracted and all of a sudden do other things, too. So for me, it's like oh, I yeah. want to focus on this for that reason is when I did research, it doesn't seem like no, anybody else really has. Um, I mean, as you pointed out, it's like most zoos have some of the same iconic, you know, venomous snakes, um, if any venomous at all. And, uh, but rarely does it seem like they kind of focus on one group of snakes and ex exhibit the entire spectrum of their, you know, diversity. So, yeah, no, yeah thank, I mean, thanks I, a lot. I, mean, I, th I think you're exactly right. I think if you had cobras or if you had other lapis or whatever, it would devalue what you're doing. Because then it's just a venom snake collection. Yeah, yeah. And we're rattlesnake ranch too. You know, <laughs> it's... yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But you know, the, the rattles, the crotalus, and the cisterus are so such a fabulous genus that it, you know it's worth doing what you're doing. Hundred percent. It's you know, and it's such a good information bank, and it's such a good repository that of husbandry for this particular set of animals, mm -hmm. and such a good reference bank as well i think why has no one done it before yeah it amazes me thank god you're doing it yeah it's thanks a, it's the right <laughs> guy to do it yeah 100 <laughs> yeah. percent. I, 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 I also i'm so 
glad that your interest is in all the species, not, yeah. you know, you could have just gone, right, let's do all the Arizona species or, or let's just do montane species because they're sexy. But you're doing the whole lot. I, th I think it's brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. I think what's nice too is it's, it's doable. Um, we have a big enough space to fit them all comfortably in here. It's not like, uh, you know, we're just crowding everything in sort of thing. We, we can accommodate them. And, you know, if it was a much larger, if there was, you know, another, 600 species of rattlesnakes then okay maybe it's not doable but no, i right. think with the number that there is um it's it's attainable and uh what, what are you looking at for. Th 35 38 american species uh another number i need to count yeah somewhere in there we also we, sure. we also no we also have uh, a kisser a kisser and um Actually, that's it. We have cottonmouths and copperheads as well, just okay. because they're from North America and people come in here, and I just want to be able to see those as well. But um, course, yeah, 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 that sounds about right. I mean, I know about thirteen or so are here. You got several on the East Coast, a couple in between. Um, yeah, yeah, Mexico's I, got a lot. I love that. What you're doing is literally the liaison between private sector and mm -hmm. the zoo world. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that you're not a zoo. I'm not, don't, please don't take it that no, way. No, no, that's, yeah, I love you, that sweet you're, spot. <laughs> you're, you're legitimately the liaison between the two. You know, you, hmm. you have the mindset of both and therefore you can cater and work with both. And that, yeah. I mean, that's a fantastic thing. Yeah, that's, and that's a privilege that I'm grateful for every day. I mean, we're, we're not the completely, you know, commercialized zoo set up where things are just, you know, black and white sort of thing and then we're also i'm also not just like a private i mean i am a private I'm basically a private keeper with a zoo license and so um yeah huge awesome privilege shout out to arizona game and fish for granting me that um but yeah and it's again the, the goal is to focus on on what i'm doing it's it's easy to get tempted to you know start jumping into other boats but um yeah this is this is uh, what i'm trying to focus on and um build build out so were you already doing this before you met your wife? <laughs> if not, how did yeah. you sort of float this to your missus? Yeah. So uh funny story. Yeah. She like the average, you know, person, she was not a snake fan when I met her. Um, she, and that this is, you know, when I met her, she's come a long way. She actually likes some of the ones we've got now, uh, being venomous. It's not something, you know, she doesn't mess with them. I don't really want her to, honestly. Um, it's, it's definitely my thing. She runs the admin and like the, the other important parts of the business that keep things going. So it's really just her and I, so she does a lot of the admin for the zoo, for the dog training. She schedules everything. Um, so that's, uh, that's where she's really, been a huge blessing and, and helped everything work um yeah she's she's not a huge fan of the snakes he loves looking at them through the glass that's about it <laughs> um but so uh, yeah when we, we first met it was she was one of the type that was they call it like a rat irrationally afraid of them like can't look at a picture of one you know you um see one on the trail you run the other way you know now she'll actually stop and admire him at a safe distance and so proud of her for that um, that's great yeah and uh yeah, yeah. So that's uh, she married into it. She has no excuse. That's cool. Um, now you mentioned your dog training. Mm -hmm. um, in the UK, we only have one species of venomous snake, um, which is Viperoberus, which is the common adder. Mm -hmm. Sadly, not that common anymore. Um, and human bites, we get very few in a year. Um, the season's quite short for them. We, we probably less than ten or twenty um, human bites a year for the whole of the UK. But what we do suffer with is a huge amount of dog bites, <laughs> and the venom for viperus is a lot more potent for dogs than it is for people. And they tend to get bitten on the snout because obviously they're sniffing yeah. around in, in the undergrowth. Mm -hmm. um, so I was fascinated to hear. Um, about your dog training i think it's it's an incredible thing yeah and that's uh that's where it all began for for us and that has been my main thing for the longest time it started out of a passion for reptiles um and so the nice thing is people love their dogs they want to keep them safe and so that the success of that business is actually what allowed me 
to build what where I'm sitting right now. Um, and so that's what I have to attribute it to because um, it basically funded the whole zoo. Um, and so, um, yeah, and it's a, it's a pretty rewarding thing to do. Um, that was something that I had to figure out early on, like, all right, you know, how do I, I want to still maintain minimal stress, maximum care on the snakes, but also get these dogs to figure out that these are a threat and they need to leave them alone. And so the program we've developed, you know, it's a four-step process where we teach dogs to back off from any rattlesnake cue, the, the sense of them, the sound they make, and then, of course, the snake itself if they see it. Um, so, yeah, that's actually what uh, is my my day-to-day job. Like, that's mostly what I'm doing um, when I'm not in here taking care of snakes and, and overseeing their care. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it's yeah. nice because it's all connected and it's all on the same property. So that's something else. If people come for a tour, um, we've got our outbuildings, the rodent breeding facility, the hibernaculum, and then we've got our desert landscapes, uh, dog training area where you know, it's all fenced in and it's designed to look like rattlesnake habitat. Um, but we didn't plant anything with thorns. <laughs> so um, that's uh, there's boulders and native trees and things like that in there. That's great. Yeah. I can't wait to visit, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd love to have you guys. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I can't believe I actually landed in Phoenix and I didn't go. Yeah, well, right. That's I will ridiculous. say, yeah, this facility is pretty new. Um, and I've been intentionally quiet about it because, uh, you know, until it was done and ready, I didn't want a ton of people, you know, coming in constantly. So we're almost there at the point now. I'm pretty much going public with it. We I nice. finally fired up an Instagram account. It's still pretty new. Um, just started Facebook page for it recently. Website again. I feel like once that's done, then it's like okay, here here we go. Because that's going to list out ever all the details yeah. that anybody needs to know about you know location, what we offer, pictures of the place. All that's going to be on there. So hang in there. That's almost done. Uh, yeah, more people I think will discover us slowly over time. Once all that is is sure. is out there. So sure. appreciate stuff like this too, just getting us exposure. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, still still pretty new. We're we're in our infancy still. That's great, man. At least for the new part. Yeah, dog training has been established for a while. I think it's just such an incredible project. Um, I, I just think it's fantastic. Do you want to put out your Instagram handle so that people can check it out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, thank you. Oh, we'll, so we'll, Phil will put it in the show notes as well, but just... Yeah, yeah I'll say it out loud and yeah, feel free to uh, put it in there. But um, so our Instagram account is at Rattlesnake Ranch AZ. Uh, sorry, at rattlesnake ranch dot az. Um, that's our Instagram. The Facebook page, if you just search rattlesnake ranch az with a space, not a dot. Um, our, our double R logo is on there, and uh, yeah, so that's the Facebook page, and then that, and then we have the domain for the website. It'll eventually be um, actually posted online, but it's www.rattlesnakeranchaz.com. Um, so that'll be hopefully up and running here pretty dang soon. We're layout's done text is done we just got to kind of fill in some spots with pictures and then it should be ready to go well do hit me up if you need any pictures because i took so many photographs when i was in arizona it's oh, good. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's um, pretty normal yeah bring a camera when you come herping here you're gonna see all kinds of fun stuff 100 oh, um yeah. do you have any merchandise or anything like that do you have a teespring account or anything uh, not yet. So that's, I mean, it's, it's been a to-do list, just one thing after another, getting this thing going. Uh, I just got some logo hats that just showed up yesterday and, uh, we'll, we'll do a variety of t-shirts and, um, we kind of have a little gift shop. There's a lobby when you first walk into this building and, uh, we've got t-shirts, hats, and got some skins and rattles and things that I usually give to kids and stuff. And, uh, um, yeah, so, um, probably when the website's out to the that's at the kind of bottom of the totem pole getting all that other stuff. Um, but you know, I've got my dog training stuff. That's what I'm wearing right now. Um, the rattlesnake ready shirts, but the rattlesnake ranch ones will be a little different again, being that dog and snake people don't always overlap. We're kind of for advertising for posts and not bombarding dog people with snake pictures. We've kind of separated the two, mm-hmm. uh, just made sense to me. So, um, we do have plenty of our dog training stuff, but the rattlesnake ranch stuff will, will be available soon. Well, get on that merch, man. I know, I know. I need to. I shouldn't have said it's at the bottom of the totem pole. It's it's not the very bottom. There's other stuff, but um, that's it, it'll get there. I want to do tank tops and long sleeve shirts and all that yeah, stuff. Man. Everyone <laughs> loves the, the merch, the swag. Everyone's oh, got to have it. Got to rep the brand, man. Exactly. And do it. In, do it. Brilliant you're, to do. Double you cut us early, but it, it'll it'll get done. Do it in small sizes, not American sizes, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Americans. Yeah. It's sad how we get triple XL and double XL on our dog training shirts. And those are usually gone first. Yeah. Right. Yep. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, well, that's great, man. We, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, it's been great to watch it blossom. And yep. then now we get to watch the whole flower open and keep on trucking, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. No, thanks again for, for having me on. Yeah. Happy to show uh, you guys around. Please come out and see it. Oh, oh mate, a hundred percent. I will definitely come out there. You know, I missed, uh, I missed a couple of species, three species in Arizona. I think I've still got to see. Okay. What are those? Uh, twin spot. Yeah. I figured um, that one. Sidewinder. Okay. Tigers. Oh, and speckles as well. Yeah. Okay. Four species. Right. I still need to see. I know of a few spots, probably in one night, should be able to get all those. One thing with herping, that's partly why I don't get out as much, though, is, you know, it's, I'm not as expert. I, I feel like I've really got the husbandry down, the captive stuff down, finding them in the wild. I've had awesome nights and I've had nights that should have been awesome. Everything seemed right didn't find squats so uh, but no there's 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 lots of great spots where yeah you, you hit it just right you can hit all those and more in the same night that's oh, awesome that's, that is awesome yeah. i should i should definitely be out i mean I, I generally think it is an incredible project and i'm really chuffed someone's doing it that's brilliant yeah thank you yeah. that's great man well everyone thank you for listening this has been episode 14 with cody will from rattlesnake ranch Anything else you want to touch base on, Nip Nip? No, I'm good. Thanks for listening, folks. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Check me out on Instagram. Get my numbers up. Yeah. That's it. Like, share, subscribe. Click the little bell. Do it. <laughs> you know what to do. Thank you again, Cody. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.